Good morning. It's great to see all of you. My name is uh, Jason Foster. I serve here as one of the pastors at Trinity. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be sharing the word with you this morning. So I recently found this new show on Netflix starring Bear Grylls. You probably know him as the guy who eats nasty things on a Discovery Channel show called Man vs. Wild. Well, he has this new show on Netflix called You vs. Wild, and in each episode, Bear Grylls is, again, dropped off in some unpleasant wilderness and left to survive for a period of time. But there are a few notable twists in this show. One is that in several of the episodes, Bear Grylls is tasked with some sort of mission that keeps him cutting through the forest with a machete towards a new goal like saving someone's life. And the more important twist is that in You Versus Wild, it's interactive, so it wel uh, welcomes you as the viewer to participate in the show. The truth is, is that I've only watched one full episode, and what happens is, is as Bear Grylls is walking through this mission, there are certain points in this episode where you'll need to, as the viewer, choose what he does next using your remote. So his life is literally in your hands, and you'll choose his next step, like if he eats termites or if he eats this big, nasty, juicy grub as an energy source. I mean, you got to keep him alive, right? He needs his energy up. Or you choose whether he spends the night in a cave or up in the tree with monkeys. But at every uh, decision you make, it can either lead him to something better or to catastrophe. So this is some serious business. You've been granted great power, and as you know, with great power comes great responsibility. So what did I do at the episode that I chose to watch? What did I do? Well, I did what any honorable person would do, and I chose the most terrible situation for him. So I made him, I made him eat that nasty big grub. And his name is Bear Grylls. I mean, he's meant for this. He's built for this. God created him for this purpose, to eat nasty things like that. But he's also escaped deadly situations countless times, unscathed every time, or at least that's what Discovery Channel wants you to believe. So obviously this show is set up for viewers like you and I to participate in for entertainment purposes. But you and I go through life trying to determine God's will and direction for ourselves every day. And this is super challenging for us to navigate. We might be afraid of making the wrong decision and we might struggle with which way to go because we don't want to be outside of God's will. We wanna be smack dab right in the center of God's will every day, every minute. But we come to these forks in the road in our lives where we're faced with huge decisions, monumental decisions, things that are going to change the trajectory of our life every single time, like what major do I choose in college? Do I retire now or do I wait a little bit longer? Do I save a lot of money now or maybe just a little bit you know, throughout the years? Do we adopt first or do we try to have a child of our own first? Do we pack up and move away or do we stay put? What is God's purpose and plan for our lives? Which way does he want us to turn? Well, the will of God can be a challenging concept for us, something I think that we all struggle with at one point or another. And in this day and age, now more than ever, we need God's wisdom and not just more information. It seems as though information has increased exponentially while wisdom has. And we're gonna, so this morning, we're continuing our series in wisdom. 
in Proverbs, and we're going to explore something called understanding God's will. So please turn in your Bibles this morning to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 in your Bibles, and the text will be on the screens this morning, and also it should be on your handouts. Let's read this. And starting in verse 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. So this morning, I just kind of want to outline what we're going to be going through. We're going to be answering two big questions. The first one is, how do I understand God's will? And number two, where do I look to to find it? What things do I turn to for it? So there's, this, there's been this big misconception in Christian circles that the will of God is mysterious, like we can't figure it out on our own, like he hides his plan from us and wants it to be a big mystery on our part, and therefore he makes it our responsibility to pray about it and then discover the pathway or his plan on our own. And many times we expect God to reveal this hidden will of direction But this way of thinking and how we put this into practice often leads us to disappointment. It can also lead to inactivity because we're waiting or just indecision because we tend to just sit around waiting for that big proverbial light bulb moment like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. We're waiting on the epiphany to come to us or even the audible voice of God. In Kevin DeYoung's book called Just Do Something, he likens the will of God to a coin, and on one side, you have God's will of decree, and on the other side, the flip side of the coin, you have God's will of desire. So I'm going to kind of buzz over those, kind of the 30,000 view from up top, and we're going to kind of buzz through God's will of decree and God's will of desire, just so that we kind of have an understanding of that, and then where we're going to land is God's will of direction. So God's will of decree, what is it? It's essentially what God has ordained. It's understanding that everything that comes to pass is according to God's sovereign plan, and all that he decrees will ultimately come to pass. So his degree and plans, they can't be foiled. They can't be tampered with. They can't be planned against because it's by the will of his decree and by his word, and what he says ultimately, right, will come to pass. He's faithful to his decree and his word. God is sovereign over all things. Well, what things is he sovereign over? Well, all things. Nature, the nations, animals, angels, spirits, and Satan, disease, death, and people, obviously. And a great way to explain God's will of decree is this. What God wills will happen And what happens is according to God's will. I'll say that one more time. What God's will will happen, and what happens is according to God's will. The Apostle Paul encouraged the believers in Ephesus in churches that he helped start with these words. And this comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. He says this, In him, referring to Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined, according to the purpose of him who works all things out according to the counsel of his will. So what does that mean for us? It means that God is working everything out. And I mean everything, down to the minute detail. Starting from the big picture and the little picture, your picture, our picture together, because according to God's will and his sovereign purposes, he'll work everything 
out for you and for his plan. When we grasp and hold tight to this truth, it should do two things. Number one, it should allow us to intentionally trust God with our lives. It should allow us these moments in our lives where we're thinking and, and trusting and grasping on to the hope that he's working it all out. And number two, it should give our hearts peace, great peace, deep peace, knowing that God is working it all out for his glory. And to quote a famous theologian and musician, you probably know this guy, he says this, don't worry about a thing because every little thing is going to be all right. Bob Marley. So now on to God's will of desire. God's will of desire. This will is referring to what God desires of his creation. If the will of decree is how things are and what he's, been, uh, what he's predestined, then the will of desire is how things ought to be. God has shown us in his word that he wants us to live and how he desires us to live, it can easily, right? We can easily disregard it. We can shrug it off. We don't have to do it. We don't really need to listen to his will. He leaves it up to us, right? Is God sovereign? Absolutely, without a doubt. Are we under God's sovereignty? Absolutely. But we have free will and it's up to us to put into practice the things that we're meant to know and obey. So what does this mean? This means that what God has done in us He's miraculously redeemed us. He's saved us. He's rescued us. He also wants to do that through us. This means that God, what he's done in us, he wants to do through us. And the author of Hebrews explains it perfectly this way in chapter 13, verses 20 through 21. It'll be up on the screen. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you, with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, this is our call. This is our call. God's will of desire for us is and Jesus Christ and to partner with him to live on mission and make disciples and not for our glory, but for his so God's will of decree is what he has ordained over everything. And God's will of desire is which what he desires of his creation. So lastly, where we're going to land this morning is God's will of direction. So God's will of direction. This is really what we're mostly referring to when we're in our conversations with ourselves and you know, with friends and family talking about where does God want me to go. It seems that we're always seeking out his direction for our lives, right? Again, we, we don't want to be outside of God's will. We want to be smack dab right in the middle of it, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Of course, we want to be in the center of God's will. But the tension that we're feeling in these moments when we have to make these monumental decisions, and not even just big decisions, but even on the kind of a smaller scale, this is where we're feeling tension. Where does God want us to turn? Where does he want us to go? And what is his will for us? My question to you this morning is, have you been there? Have you had those moments of wanting to know where God wants you to go? It's a struggle I think that we all have and something that we all have been working through at one point in our lives. And another question is, is where are you looking to when you're looking for God's direction and will in your life? In the spring and summer of 2006, I was faced with a hard season in my life. I was uh, living with my parents in northern Minnesota while attending a state college. 
And that previous fall, I had gotten the call on my life uh, to pursue ministry. And so my pastor at the church that I was attending, he, he encouraged me to transfer colleges to North Central University, which is a Bible college in Minneapolis. I was super excited. A lot of prayer and speaking to my parents about it, I was accepted and I was elated. I was super excited. But then spring arrived and I had still not yet declared my major, which kind of made me tense up because I knew that the time was getting closer where I needed to choose my classes, get my schedule for fall. But here was my dilemma. I knew that God had given me many different talents, but I didn't really know where he was directing me to, um, to declare my major. I felt many different kind of pulls and tugs at my heart, you know, for like youth ministry. Maybe I can major in youth ministry. Maybe I can major in worship. Between them, maybe I can major in counseling because I kind of feel called to that too. So I felt so torn between these things, and I sought the Lord hard. Every night for three months straight, I was in my room praying, crying out to God, opening up the scriptures, seeking his will for my life and crying out to him and saying, please help me pick my major. I need you in this, God. I don't want to be outside of your will. And so every night for three months straight, pleading for him. And you know what I got? I got nothing. Zero. I didn't hear a peep. I didn't feel a nudge. I still didn't know where to go. And at this point, I'm sort of angry at God, like, I'm seeking you. I'm praying. I'm doing what I'm called to do, and you're not giving me any words. So the next thing I did was I just took it upon myself. I said, fine. I'm just going to declare my major. And so I chose psychology, feeling called to counseling. And look where the Lord led Pastor Vicki and I. For those of you who don't know, you know, God has a sense of humor, but for those of you who don't know, I'm the youth pastor here as well as one of the worship leaders. And at times, you know what I feel like I do a lot of the time? I feel like a counsel. <laughs> so God, God is funny that way, but he's proved himself faithful over and over again. He's sovereign in my life and over your life, and he proves this over and over again. But what about you? Where are you seeking to turn to when you need direction in your life, I'd like to mention in your you three practical areas to look to to find God's direction in your life. And if you're willing, God can and will use these areas that we turn to to speak to you. So if you're taking notes and you have that handout, we're going to start right in. Uh, the first area that we should look to for this is inwardly. Look inwardly. You've probably all heard this statement or heard this kind of like um, proverb, follow your heart you know, follow your heart, do what your heart tells you to, but I'm here to strongly warn you against that. Don't do that. You might know what I'm talking about here. When we turn inwardly, right, we shouldn't be seeking our own heart or our own desires, but we should be looking to and seeking uh, the God that resides in our heart because our hearts will lead us astray. Every single time, our hearts are prone to wander and our hearts will take us places where our flesh wants to go and not where the Father heart of God wants you to go. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse nine, it says this, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Do you believe that? I believe it. Our hearts are deceitful. And when you follow your heart, your heart will deceive you. And it goes on to continue saying, and desperately wicked, who really knows how bad it is? When we follow our hearts, we'll end up not only just wasting time and disappointed, we'll probably end up with our heart broken. But rather, when we look inwardly, when I'm saying look inwardly, we should seek out the God who has taken up residence in our hearts. In Proverbs 3, 
uh, verse five, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in this verse, God isn't just giving us some take it or leave it advice. He isn't just welcoming us to, hey, this might be a good thing for you to do. No, God is strongly urging us to have wholehearted trust in God rather than being self-reliant in these times. He wants us to seek him deeply. He wants us to center our lives around Jesus. And as we trust the Lord, we, we build our lives upon him and on the truth of who God is. And this allows us to be fully, fully dependent on him. And with the Spirit's help, we can put into practice and become more consistent in our lives with trusting God for direction in our lives. And so to look inwardly to the God who resides within us, it also means to turn to Scripture. The Word of God has his plan written in it, and God's plan should really and truly be our plan. And if we're adopted, as the Bible says, if we're adopted as heirs of God through Christ, then we've adopted his plan too. And when we think of our lives in this way, it molds our outlook, it shapes it, it molds it into this biblical outlook so that our plans and our desires really start to take the shape of Christ and his heart. And if you think that God is telling you to do something that doesn't align with his written word, then that desire was probably birthed in our hearts and not his. There's this uh, guy named Daniel Diaz. He's 26 years old, and he's a two-time Paralympian Olympic swimmer, and he was born with malformed upper limbs and also lower limbs. And I wanna share this quote with you about his journey with discerning God's will in his life. He says this, Daniel D.S., why did God create me like this? I think it was simply his will. So who am I to question it? If I have to live for him and be a channel of blessings here to be like Jesus was. Many times I asked him why, but today I ask him, what for? I think that through my conquests, I'm beginning to understand for what reason God made me like this. And he says this, principally it's to serve him and to be here as his disciple. This will all go away, but the love of Christ never goes away. And it's this that we have to show to others. Isn't that inspiring? This man growing up 26 years old now, probably struggling with, why did God form me like this? Why did God make me like this? Why, 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 why? But now he finally sees that he was destined for that, to be God's blessing to others, to show them, to inspire them that God doesn't need to form your body perfectly. He can still use you. See, I think we create a lot of stress and anxiety and also worry for ourselves when we start asking specific questions like, why me, God? Or where should I live? Or what school should I go to? And more importantly, should I eat Korean barbecue after uh, church today for lunch, right? And that's a definite yes, always a yes, always eat Korean barbecue. But I believe we should be asking another set of questions. More importantly, I believe we should be asking questions like this. Do I love the Lord with all my heart, strength, uh, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? And do I love my neighbor like myself? When we turn to scripture for direction, you'll quickly notice as you're flipping through the pages that you're not gonna find the questions to these or the answers to the questions that you're asking about where should I move or what's the next big thing in my life. But when you turn to scripture for direction, you'll notice that there's a bigger picture. 
you'll notice that there isn't the place that you're supposed to live, and you probably won't find, like, if you're supposed to eat Korean barbecue for lunch, but let Pastor Vicky and I know. But if you've been searching for a long time, I want to encourage you that you're not going to find those answers, but you'll see the bigger picture and what the bigger picture also reveals, which is Jesus. It's all about him. It's all about him. When I was struggling to make a decision on what major I should declare, I was spending countless hours, hours in my room praying, and I didn't hear a peep, and it was super frustrating for me. And honestly, it probably wasn't a great place for me to be right before I start my uh, Bible college career. But you know what? Even though I may have gotten uh, angry at God a couple times for not giving me a clear answer, and now that I'm on the other side and on the other season of this, I can see clearly why he didn't answer. And it's because he knew that whichever major that I would have chosen, whether it be you know, psychology or youth pastoring, anything like that, he knew that I would be serving him and others. And at this, I wanna say, you gotta see the big picture. You gotta see the big picture. So look inwardly. Seek out the God who has taken up residence in your heart. Seek him. Seek his heart through prayer and search the scriptures. The second place that we should turn to is outwardly. We should look outwardly. To look at the people around you who got us counsel and placed in your life. And in, and in short, I want to say to seek out godly counsel and wisdom. The second half of verse five says this, do not lean on your own understanding. And God here is telling us to turn from our ways, turn from our desires, turn from our understanding and lean on him for his understanding. And God encourages us later in the book of Proverbs to seek out counsel, right? To be in relationship and community with others because we're a body, we're here for each other as well. And when we're faced with tough decisions, that will change the direction of our life. We need to talk to somebody about it. We need to look to somebody who can give us some godly counsel, get some wisdom from. And in Proverbs 15, uh, verse 22, it says this, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. God uses those around you to assist you when you are in need of counsel. We're, we're here to encourage one another, to build one another up, to ask hard questions to and seek advice from. And we're here to spur one another on, right? We should be encouraging one another at all times, helping each other out, listening to one another, and speaking godly wisdom to one another with. A few years ago, I was offered a position with another company um, for a larger salary. And my immediate, honest gut reaction to that was no, because I felt such loyalty to the company that I was with. They helped me kind of start my career in concrete construction. But I knew that God was possibly opening this door for Pastor Vicki and I um, to save up for a home. We were currently living with her parents, saving up money and paying off debt, and we were super thankful for that. So after letting Vicki know the news that I was kind of being sought after for another position, I immediately started to seek counsel from those around me who God put in my life, who I knew knew the word of God. And it was, uh, it was amazing because they spoke truth into our lives. They spoke practical and godly advice, and they allowed us to see from other perspectives what it could look like from their point of view. And it was a tremendous help and blessing for Pastor Vicki and I. And I would have never have left the company without seeking out that advice, uh, that advice. But it turned out to be the right decision because God showed his faithfulness to us, and he provided for us. And as we know from Scripture, God uses others, right? We know this from Scripture. We see it all over. God uses others to speak on his behalf. So seek godly counsel from others. You might just 
hear his voice. So for us to put looking outwardly into practice, we need to do th- uh, three things. Um, and I think that these uh, are on your handouts as well, maybe. When you're in need of direction, number one, seek counsel and advice from trusted friends and loved ones. And here's the caveat. Make sure they love Jesus just as much as you. Make sure that they love Jesus just as much as you. They should be people who love hearing God's word, who know God's word, who memorize scripture, who sing out scripture or sing songs to him. You and I need to listen to what other Bible-reading, Jesus-loving Christians are saying to us in our lives. And if we want to make a wise decision, then we need to seek advice and counsel from these people that God has directly put in your lives. They're there for a reason. Seek them out. Number two, be teachable and be coachable. Are you willing to change your mind or course of action when another person's advice seems better than your own? I'm sure at times it could probably sting, right? Even for me when, you know, being married, um, I have a tough time saying that my wife is right. And most of the time she is, honestly. And I have a tough time admitting that. But here's the thing. If no one has ever heard you change your mind on something, then we probably have some heart idols to deal with, right? Probably have some heart idols to deal with. Number three, this is huge. Ask the right questions. Be very strategic and be intentional about the questions that you're asking. Get to the heart of the matter. Don't beat around the bush. If you're struggling with something, get direct and be uh, intentional about your question. A simple what do you think probably won't work for these tougher questions. Be specific and more importantly, do this. Pray with those that you're seeking counsel from. Pray with those that you're seeking counsel from. So look outwardly, seek out godly counsel. The third place that we should be looking to for God's direction and will for our life is all around. All around. He's given us a brain to reason with. He's given us gray matter to think with, to think over and to ponder. And he's created us, right, to be intelligent. And since we're made in his image, he's also made us creative, which means that we can problem solve and that we can use logic and reason when it comes to our decision making. And at times we can really, I don't want to sound harsh at all, but I feel at times we can over-spiritualize the circumstances of our lives. lives. And I think that uh, many times that if we don't think that the next decision coming up requires a giant leap of faith that it can't be God's will for our lives. And when it comes to the most you know, uh, daily life decisions and even some of our big life decisions, God expects us and he encourages us to make those choices, but this is it. To be confident, though, that he's already determined how to fit those choices into his sovereign will. Be confident of that. He's given us the gift of a brain and common sense, and we should honestly exercise these gifts. But now on the flip side of this, some of us may wait, right? We might wait, and in that, we become passive. When faced with having to make these tough choices, I hear you, I've been there too, because sometimes we feel like we need to wait on the Lord to give us the answer, or we're waiting for that epiphany or that big light bulb moment, but Sometimes we feel tested, right, by God, and so we'll throw out the the fleece like Gideon did. But when we wait on God when faced with a decision, we need to make sure, or we need to make, when we need to make, we could just be exercising our own passivity. And at times it could kind of um, manifest itself into laziness, or maybe we're fearful to make those decisions. 
And as God wants us to look around, there's also some practical things that we can do on our end to help make these decisions. And I'm gonna give them to you here this morning. There's five of them. Number one, when making these decisions and looking for God's will in your life, use common sense when it comes to decision-making. This is an example. If you have the choice between two colleges and they offer the same majors and one costs $20,000 and the other costs $80,000, the choice is simple. Save yourself some money. Pick the $20,000 a year college. Number two, when faced with numerous options, when faced with multiple options, limit your options reasonably. There are so many choices today. We're bombarded with how many products are offered and how many things that get thrown our way. Limit your options reasonably. An example of this would be when faced with these numerous options, such as maybe picking an extracurricular activity, whittle them down to two or three so the choice and decision doesn't seem as daunting. Number three, think through these options logically. An example of this would be to create a list with your options and then write down the benefits and the drawbacks to each thing to visually see where things are stagnation against each other. Number four, this is, your, this is your deal, so gather information. Do your research. An example of this would be when you're contemplating a career move, look up all the statistics about the job, about the salary, about promotion opportunities, and about health benefits to help you make a wise decision. And number five, real simple, make a decision. Just make a decision. Don't overthink it. But here's the thing. Choose with confidence. Choose confidently and remind yourself that while decisions matter, they matter to God too. He cares. He does. It's not like he's outside of this. But remember and let your heart rest in this truth. God is still in control. God is still in control. So this practical list of ways that we can look all around us to make a decision, it may not sound spiritual to you here sitting this morning, and it probably doesn't, and that's okay, but God still wants us to use our minds to reason and choose, trusting in the fact that God will have his way because he's sovereign. So look all around you. Look for what is looking back at you and use your God-given gift of gray matter. If you're feeling lost this morning and you're feeling like you're without direction, I don't want you to be down. I've obviously been there at times as well. You know, we all struggle with this and it's hard, but God has promised us that if we acknowledge him in all our ways, in every area of our life, that he is gonna make our path straight. And I feel it needs to be said uh, this morning here that when your path is straight, it doesn't mean that your path is gonna be easy, right? Our lives can still be messy, our lives can still be filled with potholes like we're driving around right now around Syracuse, ruining our rims and our alignment on our cars. But our lives can still be messy. It's not the smoothness of the course that should be our aim because truth be told, it's actually our alignment of our path with God's will and desire. That's valleys and, and while the path of your life may be filled with mountaintops and valleys and lows or lows and highs and speed bumps and potholes. You can be certain that you don't walk this path alone because Jesus walks with you and he promises to be with you. When he left the glory of heaven 2,000 years ago to come to earth, to live out life on mission, to seek and save the lost, he walked a very, very bumpy path. And he walked a path through different villages and different towns where he was followed and he was gossiped about. He was ridiculed and confronted. And ultimately then he was arrested 
who was falsely tried, flogged, whipped, and beaten, and then sentenced to death by crucifixion. He was then forced to carry up his cross through a windy path up to Calvary where he was nailed to it, and then he died so that our path to the Father could be restored and made straight. You see, Jesus paid it all. He paid it all so we could be made right with God, the Father. And if you're here this morning and you're not sure if you're right with God, I'd like to offer you the chance this morning before we come to the communion table 